Well, this is your day, church. This is your providential day because you are going to receive not just one, not just two, but three sermons. One, two, three sermons. Don't everybody applaud at once. But as a bonus, before each sermon is given, I will tell a very bad, terribly cheesy joke. So, shall we begin? Why is why isn't a bakery a fun place to have a job? Because it's a crummy place to work. Crumbly place to work? Okay, that was a crummy joke. And now it's promise sermon number one. In today's gospel from our own Saint John. Chapter 6, we find the familiar story of the feeding of the 5,000. And this uh, miracle is found in all four Gospels, which means that the early Christian communities thought this was very important to remember and to preserve. Jesus is out in the sticks, he's out in a rural area, and he's drawn a big crowd. But famously, they have how much to eat? Nada. Nothing. They're hungry. And then Andrew, one of the apostles, goes up to Jesus and tells him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many? And the rest, as they say, is history. There was enough. From that seemingly small act of generosity of that boy, there was enough for all. You and I are called to be Jesus' disciples today. And you and I are called to do the things that Jesus did. Jesus fed 5,000 people. Who are you feeding? Who am I feeding? Who else needs to be fed here in Dubuque and beyond? Now this famous, well-recorded miracle, this event almost didn't happen. Why? Because the very first disciples made excuses. Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. Do we, modern disciples, come up with excuses why we can't feed others? Oh yeah, I've got a busy day today. That, that person probably could use a meal. They're asking for a meal, but i got other things to do. Or the problem of world hunger is so huge. What can we do? Or, our church really can't feed a whole lot more people. I mean, every fifth Sunday, we do serve this meal to the community, but we can't do much more than that. It would cost a lot of money, it would take a lot of volunteers. But if you and I would simply be generous, as that young boy was generous, there would be enough for all. Jesus did not settle for a narrative of scarcity. He saw a narrative of abundance. And a narrative of abundance which says there is enough for all. In fact, there is enough for all. And if there isn't enough for all, or it appears there's not enough for all, or some people are not getting enough, we should stop and ask why and do something about it. Amen. What did the 
butter say to the bread? I'm on a roll. Some of you wish I would just roll right out of here. Or roll and find some better writers for my jokes. But as promised, sermon number two. Today's reading from John's Gospel is baked. Baked full of allusions and echoes. Echoes from the Old Testament. And so if you were from that time, if you were a first century Jew and you were at this event, you would have noticed in Jesus' actions several throwbacks. Throwbacks to Moses. It wasn't that Jesus was just out on the sticks with a bunch of Jews who needed to be fed. It was that Jesus, like Moses, was out in the wilderness with the Israelites. And while Moses had to ask God to provide food in the wilderness, Jesus provides the food himself with a little bit of help. A theological point is being made here. As one biblical commentator has told us, Craig Savvy, quote, This chapter is not as much about bread, even the bread of Holy Communion, as it is about who Jesus is. End of quote. It would be very easy for you and I to miss the point of this passage. And the point is that Jesus is more than a prophet like Moses. Jesus is the expected, long-expected Messiah. Are you letting miraculous bread or the mission of feeding people in need? Are you letting those things distract you from the divine self-reveal in this text? Are you going to settle for bread? Or are you going to bow down to the divine baker? Now, the very first disciples would have picked up right away these implications, these Old Testament implications of what Jesus was doing. Jesus was not just doing a supernatural trick. He was just not being a nice guy. He was revealing himself to be the Son of God, the Lord of Lords, and as he says later in the Gospel, the bread of life. Don't settle for the perishable stuff in your life. Instead, seek the imperishable Savior. Accept Christ and follow Christ. Amen. When does sourdough bread rise? When you yeast expect it. And at this point, most of you expect these jokes to be quite bad. And now, I promise, sermon number three. And as we continue the Mass in a few minutes, we will continue with what the prayer book calls 
the great Thanksgiving. And in the Eucharist, you and I are invited to lift up to God. And this is modeled by the priest when the priest lifts up the chalice and the patent. But you and I are invited to lift up to God, not just the sacred elements of bread and wine, but ourselves, our souls, and our bodies. In the Eucharist, you are invited to come to the altar and lift up to God all that you are, all that is happening in your life, all of your sorrows and all of your joy, to stretch yourself out on that altar in an offering to God. And to ask the triune God to break you open and fill you with the power of divine love. After all, it was only by being broken that our Lord was able to save the world. And it is only when you and I take our broken selves and bring them to the altar of the broken God that you and I can hope to be saved and transfigured and ultimately resurrected on that final day of great thanksgiving when Jesus comes again. Do not approach this altar casually. You are approaching the very cross of Christ. The Eucharist is not just a mere ritual. It is the church's ever miracle, feeding millions upon millions, century after century, day by day. So come. Come carefully. Come prayerfully. But come. Amen. Well, there you have it, folks. As promised, not one, not two, but three sermons. Do you remember? Did you catch the emphasis of each sermon? Did you get the topic? There was a sermon on the call to feed the hungry. Loud well, then you after me, feed the hungry. Feed the hungry. That's all that Who are we feeding? There was a sermon on coming to Jesus. Have you accepted Christ? Are you following Christ? And there was a sermon on the call to give thanks. Repeat after me, give thanks. Are you ready to give thanks in the Eucharist? Now, check this out. Check this out, church. It's pretty amazing. I didn't come up with this. I'm just showing it to you. When you come to the altar, you are responding to the call to come to Jesus. And when you come to the altar, you are responding to the call to give thanks. And when you come to the altar, you are fed so that you might respond to the call to feed others in Jesus' name. In this way, the three sermons become one. In this way, the justice emphasis of the mainline churches and the evangelistic emphasis of the and the sacramental emphasis of the Catholic churches come together. They become one. In this way, you and I are giving an illustration of our own Episcopal or Anglican way of Christianity, which seeks to bake into one hearty loaf the flavoring and the nutrients of the mainline evangelical and Catholic emphases in Christianity. And these three sermons become one. You and I are invited to be more than.
than just churchgoers. We're invited to become disciples. Disciples who come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Disciples who give thanks to God the Father and the Eucharist. And disciples who, through the power of the Holy Spirit, feed others near and far. And God's people said, Amen.